Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Yes, we are back at it. Welcome to today's episode. It is March 18th. It is Wednesday evening. And uh, if you're like me, you're probably stuck at home. I don't know what else to say, folks. That's just the it's just the the facts of the world that we live in right now. But I don't mind. This is my fortress of solitude. This is where I like to spend a lot of time anyway. I've got my wife. I've got my dogs. I've got a whole lot of fun stuff going on here. And I have a lot of entertainment. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. Today is going to be a quick one. Today is going to be a fun one. Today, you and I are going to take a trip down memory lane and take a look at the top three pieces of content that you should watch on YouTube while you're socially distancing yourself. Now, these are probably videos that you haven't seen before. And that's a shame. I, I mean, I, I personally think that is uh, that's a bit of a bummer. I think these are some very, very great, fantastic, awesome um, pieces of content that have come out in the, the CrossFit space. Uh, they're all CrossFit games related. So that hunger that you have deep inside of you for something CrossFit gamesy, well, uh, that this is this is here to feed you guys. This is this is what this is for, right? And you guys are watching me right now on YouTube. And guess what that means? That means you can watch these three things for free. Uh, in fact, I'm gonna start off with even a bonus one that isn't free, but you know you can probably watch anyway. And you know here's here's the deal. We all have Netflix. We all have access to YouTube. We all have access to iTunes and other sort of like, you know, media libraries to buy things from. But what if I wanted to just watch something on my own time for free via YouTube? Well, that is what we're here for. We're going to take a look at the top three must watch pieces of content. Now, the first one, the one that I was going to mention that isn't free but is available you can watch it i'm pretty sure on netflix you know assuming that you've already gone through the entire library of crossfit stuff on netflix i don't really know exactly what's on there i'm pretty sure all the fittest on earth documentaries on there so that's probably like uh 15 16 uh, and 17 all three of those fittest on earth documentaries should be on there the froning uh fittest man in history that's like the 2014 one that should be on there and then if you haven't seen it, I 100% recommend going and watching Every Second Counts. That is a uh, that is a classic. That is a real classic, real old school um, piece of content that honestly not a lot of people have watched, I think, because it kind of gets thrown aside with all the new, flashier, much sexier types of documentaries that are out there. But there's your bonus. We're going we're on top three plus one that you should definitely watch. And that, by the way, Every Second Counts is about the 2008 CrossFit Games. Uh, it's great. It's really, really good. Um, it is it is really interesting insight into sort of the organization that was CrossFit at that point. And the a few of the different types of athletes that were competing in it, you may or may not recognize some of the people there. That's the year that Jason Kalipa won on the men's side. He came out of nowhere and won. And uh, yeah, they they do a really good job. But that's neither here nor there, folks. He neither neither here nor there are the words I'm trying to get out of my mouth. That is neither here nor there. Today, we're going to talk about the top three pieces of content movies, if you will, that you should watch on YouTube. And we're going to start off with one of my favorites. 
It is very simply entitled. Let's see if I can get a split screen going here so you guys can see what I'm talking about. And wha-bam! That's it right there. Uh, it is very simply entitled 2014 Games. Uh, hold on tight, folks. I don't know why this is not... Let's see if we can... Yes. Thank you. All right. That should do it. If that doesn't do it, folks, you tell me. Um, the 2014 Games. That's all it's called. 2014 Games. And it is a look at the entire season of the 2014 CrossFit Games. There are a lot of really interesting stories that they tell there. Uh, there are a lot of cool little ditties that they go over in terms of the, the decision-making decision making process for athletes participating through the Open and Regionals and the CrossFit Games. They take a look at a lot of other, um, a lot of other sort of factors that maybe some people don't consider. Like, for example, this was a time. Here we go. Got that going, finally. 2014 Games, 2014 Games. That's it. That's all it's titled. It's about an hour and a half long. Um, one of the things that they go over kind of a controversial moment is during regionals, there's an event that's a one max snatch directly into a handstand walk for distance. And uh, Sam Briggs, the 2013 CrossFit Games champ, totally biffs the handstand walk. And so, you know, she tries to claw her way back. But back then, when regionals was a thing, regionals was the only way for athletes to qualify for the games. You go open to qualify for regionals, regionals qualify for the games. And so she had this insane hurdle to try and overcome to actually qualify out to the games and was unable to do it. And there was this big, big question in the community of whether or not CrossFit should have just invited her or something. There's a lot of really interesting stories there. Another thing to kind of look at with this is this was kind of being shot obviously in conjunction or at the same time as the 2014 rich froning documentary so the team that is behind like the fittest on earth documentaries that team was doing that fittest of man in history the froning movie and so this this is a different group of people that put this together um and it is it is really really good because it it does have sort of this recap-ish thing, but it's not a slave to just telling the story of the games. It really encompasses the the open, the regional experience, and then finally culminates in the games. It has like some really funny moments like, you know, they they get to talk to Matt Fraser. That, that was his first year competing at the CrossFit Games. They take a look at uh, you know, part of you know his like sort of nervous routine before events at the games. They talk a little bit to uh, other athletes. They have a lot of content in there with Camille LeBlanc Bazinet, who won the CrossFit games that year um, about sort of training with a sled right before the games are supposed to kick off. She's doing this sled training um, in the mountains and is having this hard time moving the sled and finally is able to, to kind of get the mental um, uh, flip, the mental switch to get herself actually in a really good place to, to get there and, and, and move it. And eventually it actually, the pays off that sort of like mental gains that she makes in that situation pays off. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's just some great moments, some very, very exciting moments, um, in this. And I like the way that this content flows, um, a little bit better than some of the other sort of like fittest on earth documentaries. Those, because they tell each event by event by event, it just feels like it's not quite, 
it's not quite a storytelling thing as much as it's just a, a, a very long highlight reel. Whereas the 2014 games documentary here, this one, it, it does feel very much like it has these segmented little stories that all come into an overarching storyline of the 2014 game season. So if you haven't watched that, this is absolutely something that should be on your list. The second piece of content that you 100% should watch, and I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to call it a movie because it's not very long. It's only about an hour long. It's just under an hour long. But that is Sisu, which is the Miko Salo documentary. Now, back in the day, and I mean way back in the day, uh, the 2008 CrossFit Games documentary, that was Every Second Counts. I mentioned that one earlier. The 2009 CrossFit Games documentary is this one, Sisu, the Miko Salo documentary, because Miko was this quiet, unassuming Finnish man who came out of nowhere and won the CrossFit Games in 2009. Um, would have, by the way, a lot of people don't necessarily know this or, or haven't really seen how, how things are going with this, but back then the scoring was very different. Um, you know, the, the games itself was really different. You know, we had a really big jump. It was the third year the CrossFit Games had taken place. That's 2009. The very first year it happened, 2007, there were three scored events. Um, there was like the Hopper event. Uh, there was a running event. Maybe there were four scored events. It's like a Hopper event, a running event, and then a CrossFit total. Uh, the second year happened, 2008. They did every second counts where it was, uh, you know, it was a handful of scored events. It was three scored events. And then they cut to the top 10 and the top 10 or the top 15 were the ones who did the final workout. The first three events that they did, by the way, this is going to come back for the 2020 games. I think this is the plan for the the cut, the first cut for the 2020 games. But the idea is basically they take those workouts. It was, uh, let's see, 2008 was uh, like a heavy Fran, uh, like our chest bar Fran. It was an 800 meter run at the ranch. Um, and then it was like this deadlift burpee workout, right? And each of those was a workout for time. So you you just smushed all of your times together for all those workouts. And that was your score over the course of the weekend. Then you cut for the last event. And the last event was like a stagger start. So the person in first place at that point, which I believe was Chris Spieler, gets to start. And then let's say there's 15 seconds between him and second place. Second place starts 15 seconds behind him. So the reason why I'm putting this out there is because I'm trying to paint a picture of how much the games have changed from 2007 to 2008. You know, just a few events, four events with an every second count style thing. Everyone was for time. 2009, they just completely threw that out the door. The 2009 CrossFit Games was the start of the uh, sort of the trajectory of fitness explosion, the sort of fitness arms race that occurred between all of these CrossFit Games athletes. And the reason why I say that is because there were five scored events on the very first day of the 2009 CrossFit Games, which is more than either the 2007 or 2008. In fact, it, it was a it was a brutal, an absolute savage amount of events. And the 2009 CrossFit Games still has some of the most difficult events that have happened at the CrossFit Games ever that have taken place there. And in fact, we saw at the 2016 CrossFit Games when they revisited the ranch before they moved it out of Carson um, and to Madison, Wisconsin, the 2016 CrossFit Games, they kind of sort of recreated some of the events, some feel of the events that they did 
in 2009 with you know the first day of the games at, at the uh, uh, 2009 CrossFit Games was started with that ranch trail run. It went into a deadlift ladder. The next event was like this crazy, um, uh, you know, there's like a sprint event that they did, uh, the sandbag sprint up the hill. There was this really weird, unknown and unknowable style event, which was rowing and then hammering a sledgehammer into or uh, hammering a stake into the ground, like a like a four foot long or a five foot long stake into the ground or something like that. Um, maybe it was shorter than that. It was probably like three feet or four feet. A five foot long stake would be taller than most of the athletes. Uh, and then the last event of the first day of the 2009 games was like this crazy couplet, which if you still want to wreck yourself, you can give it a shot. I think it was three rounds of 30 hang squat snatches, 30 wall ball. Uh, and the way it was like 75, 55, maybe something like that. Right. So again, the 2009 CrossFit games really blew up the entire expectation of what it meant to be good at CrossFit and how the competition was supposed to feel. Miko Salo, who won in 2009, who, by the way, I have a poster of him right there. That's my boy, Miko Salo. You can't really see it. I'll show you guys later. Uh, Miko Salo, who won in 2009, came out of nowhere. And because of how the scoring was done, because of how the competition was held, he potentially could have been the most dominant champion for years. I mean, essentially could have been the most dominant win up until uh, maybe Froning, one of Froning's years, like 2013 Froning or 2019 uh, Tia, right? These are, these are, that's how good Miko Salo was that year. And the reason why it's kind of in question is because there was a max deadlift event, the deadlift ladder, and that event capped out at 505 because the expectation was not a lot of CrossFitters were going to be able to pull 505, but like 17 CrossFitters tied at 505. So if that bar kept going heavier, he could have potentially separated himself further from everybody else. But the 2009 CrossFit games introduced us to a whole lot of different people, including this unknown guy named Miko Salo. And the Miko Salo documentary is a look into his life back in Finland. It's really weird. It's, it's strange. He's this great character he's very quiet he's very Finnish and he's incredibly interesting for a lot of different reasons like he rows 5k and 10k and does rowing intervals in this closet that's just stuffed full of like antique furniture that he and his dad collect but it's just like this one hanging light bulb and his rower surrounded by with no room for anything else in this closet he literally does rowing intervals in a closet. He does. He, so the, the entire framing, <laughs> the entire framing of the, of this documentary, the Sisu documentary is that he, he goes to recreate the 2008 CrossFit games. He does all the workouts from the 2008 CrossFit games in a single day. And, uh, you know, there's this moment where, at the very end of the documentary, he's like done all these workouts and compared all his scores, all the scores, and is doing really well. Obviously, um, at the end of the uh, at the end of the documentary, you know his his I can't remember if it's his girlfriend or his uh, his coach or someone at the end tells this story about how not only is he doing these events during the day, not only is he a full time firefighter and water rescue technician and diver, right? Not only is he still training outside of the scored events that he's doing, not only all of those things, but between the like couple hours that they're spending between shoots, 
of this day, he's helping his dad move. So he'll go back to his dad's place and like do heavy lifting, like moving a couch and like moving and setting up his dad in his new place. It's really, really incredible. And honestly, Miko is, uh, in my opinion, one of the reasons why we had such a huge explosion of fitness. Now, everybody that did well at the CrossFit Games in in, uh, in 2009, like the, that top sphere of athlete was obviously very, very well prepared for the test at hand. But Miko was the first time in this Sisu documentary, you'll see, has ha, you can see the direct line of history from how Miko Salo trains and how he says back in 2009 that he'd been training for years, like probably spent 10 years training like this. And you can see the direct line between what he was doing and where we are right now. The idea of doing aerobic capacity, running and rowing intervals a few times a week, weightlifting, you know, three or four times a week, really hard, aggressive interval style Metcons every single day for multiple hours a day. He was the guy that introduced that to the entire CrossFit space, at least publicly. There is a straight line from the the sort of legend of Miko Salo and this Sisu documentary directly to the mythology that was Rich Froning's training. A straight line. Because you can see it. You can see in the volume that Miko is putting out there and directly to what Rich Froning's mindset was like, I'm gonna do more than anybody else does. I'm gonna I'm gonna do more than anyone can possibly do and I'm gonna do it better. And you can see that straight line. It's really, really fascinating. He's a fascinating character. Uh, he's really interesting. He's still active, by the way. You should check out Miko's Instagram. He's pretty dope. Uh, he also has a bunch of other great little videos on YouTube that are worth checking out that CrossFit did with him. But we'll talk about those later. For now, if you have not watched this video, it's an hour long, just under an hour long. It is absolutely worth it. And here's where we're at, right? We've talked about how the 2008 CrossFit Games documentary was every second counts and you should watch that on Netflix if you haven't because it introduces you to the games and the concept behind, you know, finding the fittest, right? We talked about that 2014 Games documentary because it really takes a look at what was at that point the sort of skeleton of the entire season and how the entire season's built from the open to regionals, regionals to the games and the athletes sort of being a through line across each of those different segments and levels. And then we talked about this documentary, Sisu, the Miko Salo documentary, a 2009 CrossFit Games champion, taking a look at who he is and his training and what he brings to, uh, to the CrossFit space and how much everyone can absolutely learn from the CrossFit space. I think, I think these are all really, really important sort of storylines, but it's only when we put A and B together that we get the modern version of at least what people assume it must be like to train for the CrossFit games. And if Miko is A, Rich Froning is B. That's that's the sort of equation here, right? We have Miko who opened everyone's eyes out to the fact that you can do and should train a lot of volume, way more volume than anybody else ever considered. Then there's Rich who was young, very, very, very committed to doing the best he possibly could and took that and ran with it. Now, obviously, 
the details of those things are really different. The way Rich trains and how he does things and what he chooses to do are very different than the way that Miko is training. But if you look at one of the things and the main thing that has carried over across all of these years, like 2009 all the way to today in terms of the training for the game's athletes, it is volume and a lot, a lot of different types of things to work on. Now, Miko's thing was he does, he is like the greatest engine in all of Christ. like him and Meek and like uh, Sam Briggs were probably like the best engines in the world. Miko couldn't snatch if his life depended on it. In the 2009 games when he won, he snatched 175 pounds in a Wonder at Max event, which wasn't good then and is terrible now. In 2010, we showed up to the CrossFit games and he couldn't do double unders. To this day, the guy can't butterfly kip. So he still does this like really wild, like, gymnastics frog kip thing it doesn't stop him from being one of the best crossfitters in the world it just means that he he didn't develop any of these skills that made him exceptional at crossfit rich took the idea of like hey man i can work on all these things at once i can hit multiple workouts a day i can get stronger i can do interval work i can get you know meters and meters and meters on the rower and at the same time i can be very, very technical. I can be a technician when it comes to my squat, my clean, my jerk, when it comes to my running form, when it comes to rowing, when it comes to strategies on rope climbs and kettlebell swings and this and that. Like Rich took the idea of we can do a ton of volume and we can get really, really good at lots of things and said, hey, I'm not only going to do a ton of volume and get really good at lots of things, I am going to be an absolute technician. And therein comes the last and the most important video that you should watch. Number one and number two, a day of training. Now this is, this is a little bit different because in 08 and 09, we had documentaries that came out that told the story. In 2008, it was like, here's the story of the 2008 CrossFit Games. The 2009 documentary came out and said, here's the story of the winner from the 2009 CrossFit Games. Um, In 2010, the winner of the CrossFit Games on the men's side, that was Graham Holmberg. Not a lot of people are aware of Graham Holmberg's role or space as a CrossFit Games champion because he's not competitive anymore, right? He's still really good at CrossFit, but he's not competitive anymore. So he won in 2010. And if you've heard the sort of the legend of Rich Froning messing up the rope climb in 2010, well, Guess who was able to capitalize on that and beat him? It was Graham Holmberg. So Rich Froning got out there, made a big splash being sort of really, really good at fitness, but really, really bad at climbing a rope and essentially spent the entire year from 2010 to the 2011 CrossFit Games with that hanging over his head. Now, he tells a bunch of different stories about how he got better and what he worked on and all that sort of stuff, but this documentary was a shift. What this documentary did was it took one day of training from Graham Holmberg, who was the reigning and defending CrossFit Games champ, and it took a day of training from Rich Froning, who was the number two from the 2010 CrossFit Games, and it told this story of, I mean, man, this must have been 
a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks before the CrossFit Games in 2011. So they waited all the way until the 2011 CrossFit Games were on the doorstep before doing this, uh, making this content and putting it out, which the turnaround time is is really ballsy. I mean, it's really, really amazing how they're able to turn around that quickly. But this documentary, it was, um, it it is to this day, one of the most incredible pieces of content in terms of insight to the mindset of these athletes in terms of a look at what Rich's training was like back then. We're talking like late 2010, early 2011. This guy and his and his workouts, it it is it is absurd. It is out of this world the level of fitness that he was flexing even way back then and the types of workouts that he was doing and the amount of workouts that he was doing. And it really is a a great look. And the reason why I gave you all that context of, you know, where we came from 2008, 2009, 2010, and what happened at the 2010 games with sort of rich quote unquote, losing it on the rope climb is because there's this through line of this documentary, this number one and number two, of Savan asking each of them about that moment and how that moment has transferred across the rest of their training over that year. You know, Rich talks about how it was super embarrassing and, you know, he, he has worked on it and he can't wait for rope climbs to come up. And then, you know, he keeps sort of like shrugging it off and he's like, no man, it was, it was not a big deal. I was upset, but you know, it made me better. And then by the end of the documentary, you know, he's trained, 12 or 13 workouts that day and finally he kind of like lets in he's like yeah man I was pissed I was really pissed I was really upset it sucked you know and it completely changed the way that I approach things it completely changed my mindset on things and you can see the turn it's really really amazing and then he does the same thing with Graham Savannah keeps asking Graham hey Graham you know what what do you think when people tell you that that you didn't win the CrossFit Games but Rich Froning lost the CrossFit Games which by the way as like a as like a documentarian, that's a ballsy question to ask your subject. And it, it, it is the perfect question, but it is a very ballsy question to ask your subject. And Graham takes it in stride. Really interesting. He's like, listen, if I didn't win, I would be second place. It's a lose-lose for me. He goes, if I win, they tell me, like I won, they tell me I didn't deserve to win, right? Because that guy is better than me, whatever. But if I didn't win, what does that mean? I got second place, so what? Like, you know, am I, am I really that much worse? And so there's this really interesting mindset and viewpoint of like, you know, Graham Holmberg, the 2010 CrossFit Games champ who beat Rich Froning and then Rich Froning who quote unquote lost the 2010 CrossFit Games because of a rope climb incident and the, the sort of work that each of them is putting into what the next year is going to mean. It's really fascinating. It's really fascinating. And by the way, some of those workouts are still insane. I mean, it's not like the workouts get easier, but it's it's still crazy to look at the amount of work that these guys were putting in um, and what they were getting done per day of training. And, you know, there's a lot of showmanship. I'll definitely put you there. There's definitely a lot of showmanship um, about sort of how things get presented during these uh, these times when the camera is, is on everybody. Like, for example, I know, you know, when when Rich and the team have have uh, uh, 
you know, a lot of people coming in or uh, like the train with rich weekends and stuff like there's a there's a sense of like, all right, we're going to give you what you are asking for. And you may not have actually wanted us to give you what you're asking for, but we're going to give you what you're asking for. And it's going to hurt a lot. And so, you know, there's this idea of like, all right, let's ramp it up a little bit for the cameras. But even ramping it up a little bit, if you watch number one and number two, the amount of work that Rich gets done in a single day is kind of mind blowing. It's kind of mind blowing. And he's like, he's like this ADHD kid. Like he can't sit still. He needs to keep working out. Like, you know, people around him are like, Hey man, you have to chill. You know, Dan Bailey is there. He's like, he's like, man, we, we just worked out. I'm trying to get a little bit of work done. What are you doing? He's like, let's go play some football. Let's just, let's just play some football. Let's throw the ball around. Let's throw the ball. They end up throwing the ball around and it's like it evolves into like burpees and sled sprints and then, uh, you know, shuttle runs. And then it was like, you know, this crazy muscle up workout. And it, just, it just keeps evolving, it keeps turning into something more. It's really, really fascinating um, and it's exceptionally well done and it's quick. It's it's about an hour long as well. There are just a lot of really great stories to be told. There are a lot of really old school stories and now that everyone is is kind of forced to slow down a little bit, there's only so much Netflix that you can binge. There's only so much you know of other stuff that you can watch until you feel like you have to scratch that itch that you're like, you know what? I haven't consumed anything super CrossFit-y for a minute here, and I, I really want to get in on that action. So this is your way of doing that. The way that you do that is watch these three watch these three videos. It's it's uh, Sisu, the the Miko Salo documentary from 2009 CrossFit Games. It's 2014 Games, which is about the 2014 Games, shocker. And it's number one and number two, A Day of Training, which is about um, Graham Holmberg and, uh, and Rich Froning. So with that said, guys, I know that there's a lot of stuff that is going on right now. For example... Uh, some of you guys are talking about Rogue Invitational being moved to June. That's absolutely true. With Rogue Invitational moving to June, you're really looking at, God, the next scheduled sanction event is at the end of May. And even that is sort of eh, on the, on the cusp, like who knows what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, but right now, what can we focus on? Right? Well, wash your hands. If you're not feeling well, stay away from people. And if you can work from home, work from home for a little bit, right? For the for the the sort of off times that you want to spend a little bit of time and get some get some of that CrossFit itch scratched. You know, you're not working out, you're not talking to your friends about it. Might as well watch something for free on YouTube. This is your money right here. This is the best way to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I I've seen these movies, I've seen these movies a thousand times, probably. Um, but God, it's absolutely worth watching these over and over and over and over and over and over again, because they're that, that good. Let's see if there's any questions on the YouTube comments before we, uh, before we wrap this up, let's see. Um, he is very finished. Yes. Jailbird. He is very, very finished. Uh, you'll get it. The Sisu thing is like a super, interesting concept uh it like kind of 
is a big part of the culture in Finland. He explains it. It gets explained during the movie and you'll get it. Once you see it, he's like stoic. He's quiet. He's rip roaring and ready to go at any point in time. Nothing bothers him or phases him at any point. He's just like always ready and, uh, and sort of like quiet to himself, but, but absolute monster. Um, Mike Earls, what inspired Miko to train like that? Miko was uh, like a semi-pro soccer player and a firefighter. And so he basically trained uh, and weightlifting was a big part of his life growing up. So like he had the the cardio and the engine and the interval work from uh, soccer, from football. And he had the weightlifting thing he just kind of grew up doing. And then he had the CrossFit thing where he would... Even before he found CrossFit, he would do CrossFit-ish workouts, like really high-intensity circuits, basically, um, without it being either completely timed or AMRAP. So it was really easy for him to make that transition. And so I think it's uh, I think there was this there's this kindred thing about he just intuitively felt an understanding with CrossFit when he first in- encountered it. Um, and so for him. Training was like a part of his job. He needed to be fit for his work as a firefighter, but it was also something that was a part of his everyday practice for years, for a dozen years. And so the idea of like, oh, well, I might as well turn this over to compete in CrossFit was like a no-brainer for him. You know, uh, it, it really is interesting to hear him talk about it. Uh, let's see. Eric Hendrickson. So if you have seen all of these a few times, do I have a bonus fourth option? Um, the bonus fourth option is every second counts. If you haven't seen that, I strongly recommend seeing it. I believe that one's on Netflix, but you can rent it on YouTube as well. If you have seen all of those, um, there are a few sort of like hidden gems in terms of, uh, rich Froning documentaries that are really fun to watch. Uh, there's one that he does a workout that I'm still to this day, pretty sure is absolutely impossible. Like, I just don't know if there's anybody else on the planet that can do it ever. It's, um, it's like EMOM 20 minutes, odd minutes, like 15 shoulder to the overhead or push press with 155 pounds, even minutes, like 20 kettlebell swings with an 88 pound kettlebell. It's like one of the craziest workouts I've ever heard, but that one's a little bit harder to find. I'll see if I can find that somewhere and maybe do some content on that eventually. Um, bonus fourth option outside. Of that. I mean, you can wait a couple weeks. I hear the, the new fittest documentary is going to be coming out uh, early. So maybe, maybe that's going to be worth watching. If you haven't pre-ordered that, you can maybe pre-order that or just wait until it comes out on Netflix. I'm sure it'll come out on Netflix eventually. Um, let's see. Carl Buckhorn. The footage with Rich and Dan playing football and then training is in a different documentary. There you go. See, it kind of, it kind of blends together. The number one and number two documentary most certainly has a lot of footage of Rich training. Back then, he was training at Tennessee Tech um, in Cookville. So he was having a lot of different... Um, training partners in and out there, uh, you know, but there's some familiar faces, uh, you know, you'll see Matt Hewitt there who was on Rich's winning teams a bunch of times. There was, uh, you know, uh, my boy, Derek Robinson, D Rob shows up there. I think D Rob shows up in that one, or maybe the other one, um, easy Muhammad trains out there with them in, in these documentaries. It's really, really fascinating stuff. Uh, and it's, it's cool. It's, it's just really fun to see these guys get after it. And, one of the things that I love about it, and I talked about it a bunch earlier, but one of the things I love about it is seeing sort of the progression, the fitness arms race of what it was like way back then and these guys coming in and completely changing the games. And we're in the middle of something like that right now, right? 
you know, I've been lucky enough to spend a little bit of time with all of these athletes and also with the new guard, with the Matt Fraser and Tia Claire Toomey's of the world and seeing sort of what their training looks like. It's, it's similar, but different. It has like the same idea of like, all right, we can fit a lot of volume in here. You can get a lot of work done. You can work on many, many things at the same time, but it's a much smarter, much different, much more sort of surgical way of training. And to this day, I mean, Rich's training has changed a lot since then as well. He doesn't do as much heavy stuff. He doesn't do as much pure weightlifting or pure powerlifting, but he still does a just metric boatload of volume all the time. And so it's, it's interesting to see where like, you know, Miko set the, set the uh, machine in motion, you know, rich refined it and changed it and perfected it and made it very, very much his game. And then now we have these like two technicians in Matt and Tia uh, who are being guided by one of the smartest guys in the space, Shane, or about, you know, how do we take, the the model of volume and many different modalities and put it within the concept of we need to build up a base we need to get your skills up there we need to peak you for these competitions something that really didn't exist you know before is like peaking for competitions like what i'm okay i'll take two days off before we go train right and to this day you know, I don't think there's anybody that that is able to like surgically find and train for and perfect their craft for events the way Matt and Tia do. And so, you know, there's there's just a really cool sort of progression between where we were back then and where we are now. And it's kind of going to be wild to see where we go in a few years and who the next uh, who the next sort of. Uh, you know, catalyst for an evolution, a change in the training of of, uh, of CrossFit games and CrossFit competitors in general is. But that's neither here nor there. Today was about the top three pieces of content you definitely should watch on YouTube for free. And there they are, 2014 Games, Sisu, the Miko Salo documentary, and number one and number two, A Day of Training. Those are most certainly the top three pieces of content you should be watching on YouTube for free while you're stuck indoors. Thank you so much, folks. Remember, there's a whole lot going on in our sport. Easy to miss some of the most interesting and exciting stories. That is what I am here for. I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you did, don't worry about it. This was great, but I'll be back probably tomorrow, probably around the same time, probably talking about God knows what. We'll figure it out and we'll hang out yet again. Thank you so much, everybody. I'll see you guys next time. Later.